Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast with host A. Trunk. Welcome, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk, and this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and uh, appreciate you subscribing and checking it out. Hope everybody is close to getting ready for their Christmas and got your shopping done and got all your preparations done. And I wish each and every one of you celebrating a very, very Merry Christmas coming up now in just a couple days. And it's here. The holidays are here. We are smack into it. Hope you're all doing well. And uh, another double dip for you for your holiday listening. Coming up a little later on from the warm and sunny climate of Cancun, Mexico, Living Color, Vernon and Corey. I'll set that one up in just a bit. First up, though, Ingve Malmsteen. This comes from the SiriusXM studios in New York City. Interview happened a few weeks ago. Ingve was in New York to play Sony Hall, a show that I hosted later that night. He took a break from his sound check to walk over to the SiriusXM studios and join me in studio And that was a lot of fun. Not a lot of guests coming into the studios these days, but I was able to get into New York City and into the studio. Ingve got over to see me, and then we both went over for his show later on that night at Sony Hall. Ingve, always great to talk to. And uh, we got that conversation first. And then second, Vernon and Corey from Living Color. This comes from my radio show as well, like all the interviews. And this took place in Cancun, Mexico, at a great event that I co-host called The Sands. Vernon and Corey, one of the acts to play there with Living Color, managed to get them to come over just before their sound check for their gig that night to sit in with me some. I was in a an area that was like a lounge area of this resort called Dreams and Secrets in Cancun. So first up, we go to the New York City Sirius XM Studios. A few weeks ago, Ingve Malmsteen, currently on tour And uh, here he is dropping by my studio in New York City before he played Sony Hall that night. 
All right, we're back live from New York City, and it is great to have in the studio, sitting right across the console from me, the one and only, the maestro, Mr. Ingve Malmstein. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. How are you, man? You happy I'm, to be I'm, on the road? Why? Yeah, we're back. You're back? We're back, man. We've been out for now for about a week. We've done some gigs like on, on, on and off before, but now we're actually on the bus. We're on, we're going around. We're going to go all across now. It's got to feel good, man, because I know during the lockdown you did the stream from Vegas, and like you said, you did some scattered shows. You made Parabellum, but now get out there like you're used to. It's the, now it's back to back in the saddle, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. It is so weird because it doesn't feel it, it like different. It just it feels feels normal. You just jump right in, you know. Now you can carry all the marshals in the U-Haul behind you in the bus. How are you doing that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got uh, it, the wall of marshals. How do you carry them all? I don't know how they fit them in there, but it's just <laughs> a lot. You know, 52, 55 heads of things. How many shows have you done so far on this? Now we've done five, I think. When you get out and start a tour early in, you, you, you got to kick off Rust initially, or are you ready to go from the first show? You feel You feel it. It's really funny because it seems like, especially the first show, is almost always amazing, you know. And then maybe a couple of shows in, you get a little more picky, you know, and then you start thinking, ah, oh, I should have done that a little different. So, but but it's it, no, it was felt natural, felt very natural, you know. Do you find yourself when you go out on a tour like this, when it's first starting, do you change a lot as far as the set? Will you change songs in and out? Will you some maybe after one night? But you know what? I want to. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Oh. You do a lot, or you stay locked in once you find something. Oh my works? God, no! It's this. The set's never the same. The set's never. In fact, you know, I kind of tell the guys come into my room before the show. I say, like, well, let's you know, let's go through a set list. We put a set list and put tape, you know, tape it all over stage, and then when I go on, I play a different set anyway. <laughs> I just start playing different songs, and they they follow, you know. But because that, to me, that's kind of like the danger and the excitement of, of being on stage, like where you know shouldn't be so rigid, you know. Yeah. Plus all the intros and the solos and everything's improvised, so it's never really it's never the same. Well, people can tell that, like when you watch, if if people watch you when they when you play, even when you did the live stream, it looks like there's a lot of improvisation going on where you're actually cueing the band and and doing stuff on the fly. Absolutely. So there's a lot of that, like like I imagine that just has to come from instinct working with the band where they can kind of feel your motions and where you're going, right? Absolutely. No, that's in, 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 absolutely no. It's exactly like that. Even the arrangements of the songs can change. If I just do a certain thing like this, they know that's the end. Yeah. Even though, even though we have maybe sixteen bars more, but that's it. Now I'm going to start something else. And if it says now the next song on the list says, let's say whatever, nice is a burn, whatever. I just right there and then I just. No, I'm going to go into the next song anyway. And maybe do it later in the set. So, so they really got to be on their toes. Absolutely. Your band has to be yeah. on your, your bass player is nodding his head like, oh, yeah, yep. we got to be on our toes. <laughs> yeah, he knows. <laughs> yeah. Has there ever been a train wreck on stage where they where you got everybody got not lost? Really. No? Not really. No? really, no. It's not really. I don't think so. Because it's a field thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this before you came in. And we're going to take some calls from the audience because they'd love to say hello to you. And I know you only have a few minutes here because uh, Ingve's playing tonight at Sony Hall here in New York City. We're going to figure out what time he's going on. We're not 100% sure yet, but he's he's going on at some point tonight here in New York. Yeah, we go on after the openers. Speaking of openers, <laughs> so John Five was originally supposed to be with you on this tour, and he he's no longer, right? Right. So, yeah. so is that, that was just his decision. He didn't want to go out, right? Um, 
I'm not really know. I'm not really sure what happened there I, because it was all set, you know. Right. So I think it was some sort of a COVID-related thing. Right. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's you what know, he had told me speculate. too. Yeah, yeah. Because you know. I, I know he's excited about playing. Yeah. With you, obviously. We have some cool bands. Are you carrying the bands, or there's different yeah. ones in every no, city? No, we have we have um, uh, Sun Lord and East of Eden. Okay. They they come with us though, and sometimes they add another one on too. All right. So there's a. <laughs> Band starting now for yeah exactly <laughs> go right. now to Sony Hall if you want to yeah, see all the opening exactly, acts exactly yeah but I was thinking about this Ingve when uh, just before you came in before we talked to some callers it's been your career has been a long time now and a lot of records including a really really great new record I think I just saw in Classic Rock they gave it nine out of ten stars for Parabellum so you've got a new record you want to support and of course everybody wants to hear the old stuff also. When you, what's the thought process when you go out on a tour to make a set list? What are you doing stuff that you just feel like playing, or do you keep the fans in mind as far as what they want? It's a great question because it is such a big problem, you know. Because I don't want to, I want to keep the show tight, you know. Because you know, I don't want to be on for three hours, right? You know, because it's a time. There's a there's a certain you know, sweet spot there, you know? I agree. For, you can for, go too long exactly. or too short, right? Yeah. So so I want to keep it there and then have the, you know, the encores and stuff there. They're kind of up in the air too. So obviously when, you know, a lot of times, you know, in the last few years, you go on the road and you don't even necessarily have a brand new record out. You know, you just go out anyway, you know. But this time it is a brand new record. So I know, I feel very strongly about the new album. I want to really put some of, some of that stuff on there. Although it's right now, I think three or four only, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add more in. But then obviously we have the, you know, what quote-unquote classics, you know, as well. But sometimes I throw something in that maybe is not so well known because I just want to do that too because it's, you know, it's, it's not always, it's very difficult to put it together. So that's why the set, this is never set until about half an hour before the show. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And then you start taping them up all over the dressing room and call the van in. <laughs> no, they, they, that's, so I just basically go through what we done last night. I said, no, no, I'll change that, blah, 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 blah. And then they have them printed out and taped all over the stage so everybody can see them. But even when we have that, I don't follow that anyway. You know? So it, it depends Depends on the night. depends on how the sound is, how the crowd is. You know, it's never, never set the same way. And for a while now, you've been doing all the singing. You're not. You don't use a singer anymore. You're the singer as well. Yeah. How have you liked that singing? About ten years. Yeah. How do you like that singing live and playing live? I mean, you're such a showman up there, and obviously you're doing all the guitar stuff, and then having to make sure you're at that mic. Has that been an adjustment for you? Not really. No. Comfortable with it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You remember this? That when when I was a kid in Sweden, I, st- I started gigging when I was like in grade school. You know, I was so, so, and you were singing then too. Yeah. Oh, really? Always. I had my my former band Rising Force in 1979, and I had every bass player and every drummer in the whole of Sweden in in there, and it was just me on lead guitar and lead vocals. That's it. It was the only thing that was the same. So when I sent the tape to guitar player in 1982, that was a tape of me playing all the instruments and singing and everything. So that's what I always done anyway. That's this is kind of like a full circle almost now. So it's not new to me. Right. Um. But but there's so much, there's so much guitar stuff going on that the vocal part is not going to be a distraction, you know. 
And you don't have to. You can't. You can't throw your singer out of the band anymore. You are no. the singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, you, you know, can't so, have any more problems with lead singers, right? <laughs> I ran out. I ran out. You ran out. I think. Yeah. I think you figured out what works the best is you just do it, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's comfortable. It's good. Do you think you ever want to work with a singer again? You know, I never say never, but at this time, it, it's not something I would do now. You know, right? I don't feel like it. And what have you been doing from Parabellum Live? Have you done um, Eternal Bliss? Not yet. I we, love that. We, one. We've done it. Yeah, that's that's a lot of production in that one. So that we're working on that sound check and stuff to get it in. Um, uh, we we've done Wolves at the door, and Relentless Fury, and we've done the tile track, the very fast instrumental one. Yeah. Uh, we gotta throw in some more stuff. We have more stuff that's like on the burner because uh, we didn't do rehearsals for this tour. We just do, 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 throw in the songs as, as, as we go through the sound checks, you know. Oh wow! Yeah, it works good. But that's the challenge. You want to do some stuff from Parabellum, but then you know you got Black Star and I'll see the light exactly. tonight and I'm a Viking and all this. Like, and what do you far do? Far beyond the sun. Far beyond the sun. What do you do? Eye. And then you're playing five hours. Exactly. And then you can't and that's do gonna that. be a twelve-hour show. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And one more thing before we take a few calls from me, and I want to take let the audience talk to you for a bit, and then we'll let you get out of here. Uh, you were telling me, because I remember I was talking to you when you were making Parabellum, and you had said to me, you go, on this record, because you took a lot of time with it, you were COVID, nothing else was happening, you had your studio there in Miami, you just got into it and really went at it, and you said to yourself, you said, you said to me rather, you said, you know, I'm pushing some things here that like... I've not really done before. Like you, you wanted to really go out and explore some new ground with this record. Well, I mean, <clears throat> it was it was a natural thing. I wasn't necessarily saying I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do. It. I'm gonna just let it naturally happen. Happen. But the things that did happen were a little bit out of the ordinary in the sense where uh, you know even some of the instrumentals went outside of what I normally do. Um, how but, so, though? When you say that, what do you mean in terms of technique, ability, more approach? More like rhythmi- rhythmically, you know, maybe a little more. Uh, our late, great Malcolm Dome said, he said, like, well, you know, this like reminds me of some of the progressive, uh, you know, like Emerson Lake and Palmer, the time changes and stuff like that, you know, which which I normally wouldn't do, you know what I mean? But this is not, it wasn't something I did on purpose. It just happened naturally. But with all that time that was allowed, I could pick and choose from so many things that I came up with. I came up with eight, 70, 80, 90 things, you know, and I had to make it 10. So I just took the ones that I felt were the strongest, you know. But they weren't, um, I wasn't deliberately saying, okay, I'm going to do this in this, gen- this genre or this vein or this direction, nothing. It was just all natural how things happened, you know. you know. And, and some of them were a little bit more, I don't know what to call it. Challenging? Yeah, would be the word maybe. Challenging? Are they challenging to play live? Especially the title track. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, It's like Paganini on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to go out and play this stuff live with a band. I can't even imagine. Well, we do it. We do it. You challenge every every night. You're pushing everybody, including yourself to some degree. But the thing with me is like when when I go on stage, I know that there's, there's. titles that says a song but they have intros and they have solos and stuff like that they're all completely like an open canvas you know i can and it will all be improvised and all be done that there on the spot and that is a challenge and that is the danger of of doing this and that sort of gets me going you know because you know if you ever just play exactly note for note like a jukebox I don't think I would be excited about it. You know, yeah. it'd still be okay, but that, that's not what I want to do. One last thing for me, I just thought of this. You talked about that famous tape that you sent from Sweden to the yeah. U.S. That was what got you here and what yeah. got 
everybody, you know, no. people started talking. So that was, you're still in Sweden. Of course, you come to the U.S. The first thing you do is the lead guitar on the Steeler record, then Alcatraz, and then your own thing. But on that tape that you sent, did you send it to Mike Varney? Yeah. Okay, so the tape. He, you, he, but he worked at the Guitar Player magazine. Right. So that. But on that tape, what, what was there anything on it that ended up with either? Well, the Steeler stuff was done. You just played the guitar on that. But did anything that ended up on the first album or on Alcatraz? Yeah, Black Star was on there. Oh, it was. Yeah. So Black Star. I. I it's a funny story because I had a. a at the studio and one day I managed to get a new mixer board new microphones so I mic'd up the drum set and there was no one there it was just me so I put down the drums and I played the drums I go oh I like this so I put down the bass and then put some keyboards and then the guitars and that, that became Black Star oh, wow. that was on that tape uh, uh, Evil Eye was on there Night Ships of Burn was on there um, so all stuff you sat on it didn't go to Alcatraz it's stuff that you sat on some of it went to Alcatraz uh, like um Hiroshima Monomore? No, uh, Too Young to Die, for instance. Oh, that was that was on the a version of that was on the tape. Not on the tape, but I had it. Right, the idea, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, there was only a few songs on there, but I had many more. Then I sent him another one, you know, because it, from the point the first tape landed, so to speak, there. Right. For me. To, to get to the States was like a couple of months. So I kept on sending him stuff. <laughs> Jeez, I'll never forget, man. <laughs> I'll never forget hearing that Steeler record and everybody, like you you were still, like I'm sure you were still kind of like figuring out being in America and all that, but the shot that sent across the music world, who the fuck is this guy playing guitar? <laughs> Ing what? Well, who, yeah, yeah. You know, looking Ying. at the facts, like, what is this? And that all you that was done. You just came in and played guitar on it, right? That was your first thing? Yeah, and I had to record the whole thing in one day. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I worked in a record store around that time. It was like, because we used to have to get it as an independent release or whatever. We couldn't keep it in stock because everyone keep coming in. Like, that guitar player, that band, he's Steeler. You got, I mean, it's just, I, st you know I think even, it's still Varney's biggest record. I think so, too. But you know what's even crazier? This My Rising Force album was a uh, uh, solo deal with Japan. And he went, it was as an import on promoted, unmarketed, everything in America went on the billboard charts as an import record. Oh, I remember that too. So then they had to decide to, to release it here too, you know? Because I, I have the Japanese version with the band around it still. Yeah, but that I, was I bought it. But that was, that that's import version is the one that made the charts, which is very strange. Right. Because there's nobody promoted it. Yeah, know? but it was but, just people talking about what yeah, they heard. They exactly. couldn't believe what they were hearing. That was kind of crazy. It's yeah. amazing. All right, Ingve Malmsteen is here. The tour has just started. We have, of course, for people listening across America and Canada, so just go to Ingve's website, find a date, and see if he's coming towards uh, anywhere near you. If you're in New York City tonight, he will be at Sony Hall uh, here in New York. Let's get a few uh, people want to say hello to you, Ingve, on real quickly. Here's Johnny here in New York uh, wanted to say hello to you. Johnny, you're on the air with the maestro. Johnny, your radio's up. Hello, how you doing? Johnny, guys? turn that radio down, buddy. You're on with Ingve. Okay, come on. All right, Ingve. Uh, quick question: Are you? Before I get to my point, are you a vinyl or a or a CD person? And do you have a collection? Well, I actually I, I still have my vinyl collection from when I was a kid. I still have it. It's it's somewhere, but I have it. I have my very first LP I ever got, um, which was. Deep Purple Fireball. There you go. Nice. 19, when I was a kid, you know. Uh, but uh, 
I don't listen to the vinyl player. No, I don't. I do love the format. I think it's awesome. I think that they, I'm so happy they may put out um, Parabellum on a double vinyl. It's, you were just telling me the gatefold on yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredible. The packaging is just incredible. I'm so like, yeah, this is just like it used to be. So cool, you know. So un, un, undoubtedly, the the the, the, the 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 vinyl packaging beats everything. Right. No doubt. Uh, but um, no doubt. when I when I when I I got I, I kind of listen to um. I don't know. I have a lot of classical CDs and stuff like that, but I'm I'm not like a purist really in any way, shape, or form with those things. Except that I do prefer the packaging of the nostalgic value for me, the vinyl. Right. People send me vinyl all the time. Like I'll look at it, but I can't. I'm not getting a turntable. I'm not buying a needle and flipping it and cleaning it. I still like CDs. That, that was kind of cool back in the day, though, when you took it home. Oh, of and, course. You know. I stared at the covers, of course. Yeah. Johnny, what was your question? Do you do you crank it? When you're at home, do you crank it really loud? Like, is it, or do you, are you a mellow kind of dude? What? Do you crank it? <laughs> you ever see a stack of amps, gotcha. John? Come on, man. I got you. I don't know. When you're in your own peaceful home, you know, sometimes you either, you can just turn it up so loud. All right. So, secondly, your guitars. Do you, I see you always seem to play the same guitar a lot. Do you travel with a lot of guitars? And I was wondering if, uh, if you are a big collector of guitars, and I'll talk to you later, and good luck for the tour. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, the well, I have the Ingvi Malmsteen signature model from Fender, Fender Stratocaster, Ingvi Malmsteen signature, which is now my main guitar. But I have many of them, but they look the same. So you might think it's the same one. It's not. Um, then on top of that, I have also a quite extensive collection of guitars. I used to collect them, but I now collect other things. So um, sports cars. And watches. And guns. And guns? Yeah. How many you got? A lot. You got a lot. Yeah. So shit goes down, I'm coming to Ingve's house. I'm, I'm definitely, definitely <laughs> one of those guys. But that-, that uh, Where do you go shooting? You live in got, Florida. I you got go to range? range? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, and then, of course, the cars. But uh, the guitars are- the, the ones I have now made for me are so good that I don't, I don't really- Miss, I don't want to. I'm not. I don't go out searching for instruments. I have the ones I want, you know. Right. And I have the amps, and I have the stuff, you know. So. You play ever? You ever play anything but a Strat? Well, I, I, like I said, I have a lot of other guitars. I have Gibsons. I have um, some, some, some of my friends give me guitars. I got Vice guitar. I got Uli's guitar. I got Brian May's guitar. I got uh, Hal's Holdsworth guitar. I got I have sorts of different weird guitars. Or do yeah. do you scalp? You don't scalp the neck on all of them, right? No, no, no. Some of my really old vintage guitars, I don't, I don't do anything. They just stay the same. Right. But I don't use them for anything. What's the most valuable guitar you have? Well, it's it's weird because it's not really a valuable guitar in the sense it's a seventy-one Strat, but it's called the Duck, and I was offered seven figures for it. Why? Because that's what it's worth, or because it's yours? Because it's mine. It, wow. That's not what it's worth. But you're not going to sell it. No. You could sell and get more guns. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm you good. buy a lot I'm, of guns I'm for good. seven <laughs> figures. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, let's say hello to. Let's see. Um, here's Maureen, and Maureen is listening to us in Colorado on Trunk Nation. Hey, Maureen, you're on with Ingve. Hey, hi, Ingve. How you doing? Hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, first of all, um, number one, I am going to your concert in Grand Junction, Colorado, so on December 6th. So thank you for going to the state of Colorado. Thank you. And my question, <laughs> and my question for you is about whether you have any plans 
to do a sequel or a follow-up album to your concerto suite for electric guitar and orchestra? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, that was a very different thing uh, in many different ways because I had to take a whole year out just composing. And um, I'm very, very proud of that thing, actually. And I may do another one. I probably most likely will do another one, but that's not going to happen right now. Right now, I'm kind of like in rock and roll mode. That's the one that came out. That was shot, right? That's the video. I have that on. Well, it, I have it was one of them on video. It was recorded with the Prague Symphony right. in, in Czech Republic. And then it was performed live in Japan with the New Japan Philharmonic. Were, I, you were in on, on both of them as well? Of course. Okay. I yeah, thought you yeah. had somebody else t took your music. And no, no, no. It's that, no, it's my performance on right. that. That that's the official. So you did it twice live. No, I did more than once. Twice. I did like five times live. But but uh, the recording, the original recording, was uh, studio recording. Yeah. Oh, I see. That was done in pro. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is you know, well, the original version, but the live version I think is more well known because of the video. Right. So, well, Maureen, you're not going to get that in Colorado, but somewhere down the line, maybe Ingve will do that again. I'm actually doing some of that symphony live. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe I you brought will the then. Prague Philharmonic with me. <laughs> they're in the they're in the trailer behind the bus. That's right. Uh, Brian in Minnesota. Go ahead, Brian. Hey guys. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, Eddie. Um, Ingve, um, I know you were just talking about how you don't like working with vocalists uh, anymore. But I'm wondering, out of the guys you have worked with, you know, Graham Bonnet with Alcatraz, uh, Jeff Scott Soto, Joe Lynn Turner, who who was your favorite and why? Ron and James Dio. You did Dream On with hey, Ronnie oh, James Dio, right? Did you? Yeah, yeah, but I also did about 100 tours with him. <laughs> right, but he didn't sing. He sang with you uh, on, on, yeah, on we that do, version we done, of Dream we done, On. We've done recordings live together. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's but that, that's besides the point. Um, he he was my favorite. You know, God bless him. Yeah, 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 for sure. Thank you, Brian, for the call. There's your answer. Let's uh, let's say hello to Chris. Chris is in Illinois, joining us now. You're on with Ingve Malmstein. Chris, go ahead. Uh, yes, sir. Can you hear me? We yeah. got you, man. Yep. Okay. Well, I appreciate Eddie Trunk taking my call. Uh, here's my question. What would you think, and how do you think about uh, Steve Vai, Frank Zappa, and uh, uh, Joe Satriani? Ingve's thoughts about them as as players. Well, is it your question? Steve is uh, like my brother. You know, I mean, I've known him since I was a little kid, and he is amazing. He's the he's one of one of the originals. You know, and Zappa, I used to. I can't even tell you how much I love his uh, lyrics. They're, they're amazing. And who was the third one? Satriani. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Joe is awesome. You did that. Uh, for people that don't know, you did a tour yeah. with Vi and Satriani. Zach. Well, well, you did. Actually, we, you did we, G3 we did, with Joe. Yeah. And then we did the Generation X with Zach and uh, Nuno. Nuno and Tosin. Tosin. And Vi. And Vi. Yeah. Did you have fun doing that? Of course. We did like five tours. Yeah, six around tours. the world, right? Yeah. And for people that didn't see that, what was really cool about that is like when Ingve would – so if Zach was, was on before Ingve, then when Ingve would come out, you guys all crossed over. Right. And then at the end, you all came out and did – was it Bohemian Rhapsody, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, we did.
which is wild. And, uh, I know Nuno Burn was really Ohio pushing for that. We did all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. It was very different from G3, but uh, still really cool. Yeah. Go, you going to do that again, you think, Generation X? You think you do I'm that? I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, that that was. A, I saw a couple of those shows. Those yeah, were unbelievable. Yeah. I think Nuno was the one that said, "If we were all getting paid by the note, we'd all make a lot more money." There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a lot of notes That's for sure. <laughs> let's say hello to. Uh, let's see here. We got a couple more in for Ingve. Here's Al in Jersey calling us. Go ahead, Al. Ingve, it's a real pr- pleasure to talk to you. Uh, how you doing? Great, thanks. Um, I've seen you quite a few times, and. Uh, I've always, um, I'm a guitar player myself, and I've always walked away being inspired by you. And, for you know, I know sometimes people say, ah, oh, that guy's too good. I'll never be as good as him. For you guitar players out there that see Yngwie, never say that. Always walk away wanting to be better and let him inspire you to be better, which I always do. So thank you for that. Uh, you're welcome. That's the right attitude. Um, my, yes. My, my question, I have two questions real quick. Um, uh, first question is, uh, has any, I mean, you've been approached by a few artists to join their bands or whatever. Is there any one that you came close to um, that you kind of considered it? You know, and um, my second question is, uh, how did you come up with the idea to scout the fretboard? Uh, you, you know, how did you come up with that idea and, and why? And mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, listen, I'll listen to your questions off the air thank you eddie i appreciate it thanks al thank you all right uh well you know there was a time when i got all sorts of people uh, in fact when i was in steeler uh phil mogg from ufo came to the show and he asked me to come down and see him the next day i said okay yeah sure i mean you know that would be kind of cool and uh then i got the phone call from the, the actress people the same day so i had to choose from doing that in one day, and I decided to do an Alcatraz thing because I wrote the songs instead of doing, you know, go on stage and doing Doctor Doctor every night. Even though I love UFO, don't get me wrong. Right. Um, there's many others too. I don't want to get into that right now. Uh, but that also uh, that when I was a little kid, but you know, this was a different time. There was no internet and nothing like that. So I would build like model ships and boats, like uh, cars and tanks and also models. So I used to build things all the time. And so I wasn't scared to use, you know, go carve out wood and stuff like that on the guitar. So one day I decided to carve out the wood in between the frets because I'd seen an old lute from the 16th century that had that. I did it on one of my bad guitars. I'm like a kid only. And I realized you get a better grip on the string. You really, you know, control the vibrato and everything. Um, it doesn't make it easier to play fast. It actually makes it a little more difficult to play fast because the action becomes higher. But uh, it's something I always did, and um, you know, I, had anybody done that before to a guitar? Before I believe you? they did, but I wasn't aware of it because there wasn't any information on that right. back in the seventies. You know? Right, right. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> think so. You know, but I think that Blackmore did it. I think that McLaughlin did it. I think that um, the guitar player in Blue Estical did it. Uh huh. But I don't know for sure. That's right. what I've been heard. That's right. what I've been told. But I didn't know. I, I didn't know that then. Yeah. Because, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. Last call, and then we'll let you go. Uh, Jody in uh, Missouri uh, wants to jump on here real quick. Hey, go ahead, Jody. Going, hey, Jody, you're on hey, with me. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hey. All right. Awesome. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, go ahead, man, real quick, because we're short on time. All right. Awesome. Uh, 
man, uh, I caught you back on the ACDC tour. Wow, 85. Back in what? <laughs> 1985. Yeah, 85. I remember that tour vividly I because I, I love those guys. I don't I can't even tell you how great those guys were to tour with. They were the most down-to-earth, amazing, genuine people, and what a band. Oh, my God. I did like 100 yeah, shows with them. It was wow. amazing. I yeah, loved it. I loved it. I was going to say, uh, you can imagine me telling my friends uh, about the uh, opening, you know, guitar player because you you just were like so, you know, sonic man. Different. I mean, to <laughs> yeah, Ingve and, uh, and ACDC back to back, very different uh, approaches for sure. It worked. It worked. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, honestly, I got to do three dates with you and. Texas uh, last summer, and Emilio, if he's right there, I, I got to meet, hang out with him for a little bit. But man, I gotta tell you, just being around you was like greatness. You know what I mean? So I just wanted to thank you for thank your you. years of hard work, and you know, I'm a truck driver, and man, I take you on the road with me. <laughs> but Jonathan, sorry to cut you off, uh, or Jody, I think it was. I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I'm I'm late on time because I have to get a couple breaks in here, and I got to let Ingve get out of here. But thank you all for your calls. Um, Ingve's got to go; he's got a sound check anyway. Yep. Yep. Parabellum is out now. The tour just started. Go to the website, find a date near you. If you're going to New York City tonight, I'll see you there at Sony Hall. Great to see you, my friend. Thank you for coming in. So All good right. to see you. Thank no, you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. All thank right. You, thank you. Thanks, Dingve. Check out his new album, Parabellum, out there right now and see him on tour. A lot of notes, a lot of shredding. If you're into that, he is the master. It's Eddie Trunk coming up next. Living Color. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, you put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. Medela, the mark of the fight. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Eddie Trunk Podcast, and next up on the second week in a row of a double interview for you, we go to the Sands Music Festival in Cancun. Uh, something I co-hosted, and that happened about a month and a half ago, I guess. Really fun festival. All kinds of music that is showcased there. Predominantly 80s-based stuff. Living Color, one of the late additions to the festival this year. And I was able to get Vernon Reed and Corey Glover to come over and join me a bit before they sound checked to play that night. Here's how that conversation went. 
All right, Corey's not here yet. When he walks in, we'll throw a headset on him if he makes it. But Vernon Reed is punctual and here and ready to <laughs> talk and ready to rock. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. It's been a while. It's it great ha- to see you. It has been a while. We were just talking when we were going to break. Uh, Joel, my producer, played a little bit of Cult of Personality. Uh, yeah. He's like, it's the gift that keeps giving. It really is. <laughs> when you wrote it, did you know it was going to be that? You know what? When the song was written, it was written in one rehearsal. And I always say that was the the one of the best days of the band's life, but not because the song blew up. It's because we were not in the way. The song used us to write it. Like it, the way it came together in this one rehearsal, and then we played it the very next show at CBGB's, and it was instantly, the crowd dug it instantly. So it came together in a different way than other stuff you've written? There was a a different... There's different things. Like I would bring in songs. I co-wrote songs with Corey. There were different things. But this song was written in one Living Color rehearsal. The, all four of us put it together. Do you remember when you had the riff? The, when the riff first came Yeah, because came Corey, Corey was singing uh, something to me, and I stumbled into it. He was singing something, and I was like trying to figure out what it was, and then I played da-da-da-da-da, and I was like, oh, snap, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I said, Will, play a beat to this. We'll play the beat, and then it just started. I was really riffing. And I went da 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 da. You know what I mean? And then was you. So it was like, it started out. So Corey was the was the spark, but it was like I. It was almost like a mistake. It was like, oh what what? And I went ba ba da boo bop, and it was like, oh snap. And then immediately, we were like, oh snap. And then we and then it just kind of, I don't know what else to say. It just kind of, create kind of created. I mean, we did it but it kind of created itself. And I'd already written the lyrics in my book, of, but I had no song. I had no song connected to it. It was just like a poem, really. I always wonder about that when the, the all you know bands have this iconic riff in their catalog, the, the one, and I always wonder if they know, as the guitar player, if you know when, you write, when that riff comes out of your guitar that's like, that's the thing that's going to be like... The career, that's what everybody's going to be talking about forever, that, that riff, that song. You know what? It's kind of like when we... <laughs> By the way, Corey Glover just sat down. Hey, Eddie. Yeah, good to see you, man. How's it going? We were just saying, we just came back from the break and the little cult, of personality, little cult of personality was playing. And I said, I was asking Vern if he, he said, it's the gift that keeps giving that song. I said, did you know it was going to be that when you guys wrote it? And he's telling me how it was a different different thing the way that cult of personality came to you guys it was your idea it was an idea that you were messing around with apparently yeah i had a riff idea i gave to vernon and vernon screwed up right it was like a mistake he was trying to sing this other thing and i da 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 and it was almost like as soon as that first line it was like will boom and then from that point on it started to kind of because we played that riff for a while and then i was like this is okay. There's enough of this. I was da 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 da, and then we just kind of, it just kind of, create. I say it created itself. But did you? But did either of you guys know that the song was going to be like? Because just about any band you can think of has the song. You know, whether yeah, right, even right. even a band like Led Zeppelin with the catalog they have, yeah. Stairway to Heaven is the song, right? So for Living Color, it's it's always going to be Cult of Personality. Yeah. Is you got a ton of great songs and records, but the song. Did you have any idea when well, you record that well, that's the song? Well, I tell you what, the song's evolution. By the end of the evolution of the song, we were like, that's going to start the album because we used to start the song with the neon lights, Nobel Prize. You know the the bridge. 
was the ins- we played it instrumentally as an intro, right? It's kind of like a, almost like a rush type of thing. And then we had the sample, and then da 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 da. We went and so uh, what happened? We switched. In Put the, your head. To, we can't hear you. And the and the chorus <laughs> was in the beginning instead of the, the instead the, of the back end. Yeah. So, so it was then, like cult of personality. Look at my eyes. What do you see? Cult of personality. And then, it wasn't even cult of personality. It was like look at my eyes. What do you see? Da 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 da. Cult of personality. And Ed, and Ed was like, you know Ed what? Yeah. Ed stays Ed yeah. was like, you know what? Play, you just do the sample, take the intro, but he said, lose the intro because the riff is so great. And we started with the sample, start the song with the sample, and then go, and we played it that way ever since. We used to play it with this whole intro thing. Right. And we played that live. And the song from the first time we played it at CBGB's, it was a fan, our local fan's favorite. Oh, but yeah. But when we were in the studio, it was like, it's a little, it takes a little too long to get to the thing. So we dropped the intro thing and we started with the sample. And the sample originally was Martin Luther King, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we're free at last. Da, 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 da. But we couldn't clear. Martin Luther King was not free. It was not. We, yeah, <laughs> Is that not, right? Not free. Yeah, right. So then. <laughs> wait, wait, who owns that? Who would the own King, King Foundation? Foundation. They the King, own his actual speech. The King yeah. Foundation. That's really? All that, all that, yeah, ge- generally, if people are either in violation or they paid a bunch of money to, you, to use Martin Luther King's voice on a record. You have to you have to pay the King Foundation. Wow! And, and the thi- I figured that would be like public domain or something at that yeah, point. It's, it's, well, it's very 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 expensive. It was bum- and, and I tell you, I was so bummed. You know, like it was like they, it was like ten thousand dollars, and the, the label wasn't going to clear the sample. <laughs> so I was totally bummed. I was really bummed. And I'm walking around Harlem. I was on 125th Street, and there were these 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 guys were selling you know selling tapes and whatnot. And walking by. And this guy had a tape of Malcolm X. And I literally was walking past and said, let's start right now, right down to earth in a language that everybody here could easily understand. It's this speech to the grassroots. And I bought the cassette. I bought the cassette. And I was like, you know what? We're going to swap this out. And it, it, there's, a, there's a lot of interlocking events. But there was no money involved in that to use no, that because, on there? No, because, because one of his daughters... Right. Malak Shabazz was good friends of my first wife. My, you know. Oh, so, so there's an inside deal. She, but she, you so, got a favor. But, but, she, but, but, but she actually used to come. Malak Shabazz used to come to see us play. So CB- she was a fan. Yeah, she used to come to CBGB. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, she consequently spoke um, to Betty Shabazz, and we and we were able to get the you know because they thought it was a cool thing to do. Yeah. So yeah. that's like the most subversive thing about the, the best thing about the song is that every time it plays, Malcolm X plays. Right. Every time the song plays. Has that song been uh, used? Have you guys licensed it out a lot? Has it been sh- shown up in whether it be a lot of movies or commercials or stuff it's, like that much it's, or no? It's, it's, been, it's showed up in a few. We've licensed it to a few things. Like the main thing that's kept it current is that um, CM Punk, the, the wrestler, he uses Cult of Personality as his intro music and the story about how CM Punk used Cult of Personality is that when he was 12 years old, his Little League team, that was, Cult of Personality was his get out on the field music. And, oh. they, and, they, and, he, and he, they won their championship. And that's the reason why he's got the warm fuzzies now, Corey, since he was 12. Tell me, tell me honestly, you get tired of singing it every time? No, I've, I've, it, it surprises me all the time having to sing it. Because there are days when I'm like, I don't, feel like <laughs> I don't feel like doing shit today. 
And then a song comes on, and I was like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> it, you know what? It's what's weird about it. You would think it's the one song I honestly say can say we're never tired of playing. It's a charge. It's yeah. something about it. You know, it's I don't, it's weird. Like other tunes, you can get tired of them, blah, blah, blah. But Cult is... um. It's weird. We we I, we still dig it. I always wondered that because like last night, Cheap Trick played, and I'm watching yeah. them, and they're like I, they can never play without playing. I want you to want me, right? Right. right. And they've been doing that since like 1976, and mm-hmm. you just wonder, like, oh shit, this is coming. I want you, but you know, like when you got as you called cult a gift to a band would kill to have a gift like that. And if you've got one or two or three, yeah. I would imagine you're just so grateful for that reaction to have that. You, you know, know what's so funny? You know, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to be able to see cheap trick. I was really, I got in yesterday. Yeah. So I'm in my room and I swear I went to iTunes and I asked it to play. I want you to want because I wasn't <laughs> the gonna studio see. or live version. Because I did both. Very I did both. They're I did very both. Very different. I did both. I did both yeah. the studio version. Didn't I? Didn't I? Didn't I see you cry? 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 No. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's got the little hit, almost like the, the funk, little funky drum. Right, 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 right. And the boot live from Budokan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's so Funny. cool. Yeah, man. It's such a. I love that song. You know, Robin Zander, if, if, did you see any Cheap Trick Corps? I didn't. I, I stayed around. I, I watched Tesla, and yeah. my feet hurt, and I had to go. And it's hot in there. It's very it's, yeah, hot yeah, and yeah. humid. You guys better be prepared for that because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of humidity in that room, when, especially with people in there. Yeah. But what's amazing, and, and Robin and Rick were on yesterday with those guys, is like, and Rick knows. I mean, Robin is a freak in that he looks the same and sings the same, and that dude has been doing it like 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I told him yesterday, I, was like, I swear you like drank goat's blood or made a deal with the devil. <laughs> like, got, there's something picture like, of Dorian Gray. Something's yeah. going the, the, on. The portrait man. of Robin Zander. Something's going on. <laughs> yeah. It's just not right. So um, I know we have limited time, but tell me what you guys have been up to. Now, you were on a tour. Did you? That, I know I was looking at your website before you came on that you 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 pulled out of some stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. You're here, but you're not doing anything the rest of the year. What's we're the done, deal? We're pretty much done after I this. I think this is it for us. Yeah. Yeah, we were doing uh, Summerland for in July and part of September. With Everclear? With Everclear, Houston, and uh, Weedus. Okay. And what happened? You know what? Touring, so touring during the pandemic is weird because... Everyone's pretending as if it's normal touring time, and it's not touring normal touring time. Mm-hmm. And everything that happens on a tour affects what's going to go down, you know. And we had a situation with one of our buses. We've had a situation with our previous bus during uh, the, the the first leg of the tour. And when we, you say situation, you mean COVID related? No, no, no. The no. bus had a break, the bus broke down. So oh, oh, the buses. See, the thing is, buses have been sitting. In garages for you. Tour buses need constant maintenance. They're always breaking down. The tour buses have been sitting and not moving for a long time. So it's not, it's not surprising. There are a lot of issues with buses. And the other thing is there's a shortage of buses and there's a shortage of bus drivers. A lot of bus drivers went back to trucking in order to get something. Castle would normally drive bands around. Right. You know, a lot of these guys have multiple licenses. So some of them went back to trucking and what happened. So we, got, we had a bum bus. The first, the first trip, and it kind of was spewing carbon monoxide. It was very dangerous. This is the first leg, right? And that was a drag. We got through it. 
And then the next the next leg, we had a situation with the bus that where the bus had a breakdown and we had to take extra flights that we weren't anticipating. Our budget our budget was very very, you know, razor thin. It was razor it was yeah. razor thin. And the thing about it is that you know we're out here to entertain, but we're out here to make money. We're right, not of we're not out here to break even during a pandemic. It's like right. why would you go out? And you're being totally honest, and I tell that to the audience all the time. Bands tour because it's, it's how they make their living. Of course you want to play your music, but it's your business. You have right. to. And then, unfortunately, now where we're at with the music industry, where, where record sales are at, which are pretty much non-existent, right. you, 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 the business is all on the road. You know, it's meet and greets, it's merch, it's playing live, and it's getting your guarantee and keeping the overhead low. So, right. yeah, that's, that's the truth of it. So, so the fact is, like, when we put out that thing, you know, due to transport, it's actual... Transportation. Truth, yeah, transportation news. It was like, okay, we stay on, then we're almost gonna be paying to be out, mm. and it just was not on. It's not on to do that and to be out during a global pandemic. You know, just coming out and playing in some of the places. Some places that their COVID protocols were tight. Some places were appallingly loose. Yeah, I'm, here I'm it's not going to name the states. Well, but here, here you got to be you got to be tested to go in and out of here, as I'm yeah, sure you know. Yeah. So we're kind of like in a bubble here, which is which is good. Absolutely, it's great. And, but, and it should be that. But we 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 were out we were out and a bunch of tours. Somebody in the crew got it. Somebody in the band got it, and the whole tour had to shut down. I got it. I got it right after the right after the first leg of the tour. I had like it was very mild symptoms. I I I, I was vaccinated and it lasted six days but i got it i tested positive for it do you how'd you feel sick i was like i had a bad cough i had a, it was a really high fever i had a a massive headache for six days and into the first couple of days i sneezing and coughing and then all of a sudden my sense of smell went away and my sense of taste went away and then i started to, to just everything started just started to, to like snowball at that point and it took me like six or seven days, and then I was completely covered, recovered by it. I went to the doctor. The doctor said, you're fine. Your antibodies are up. You're good. And, but it was, I know it was, I, I probably was laid dormant in me f- until I got off the road. And, but I know it was from one of those states that, like Vernon was saying, where their, their protocols are very, very lax. Now, have you, uh, Corey, have you saw, you've done gigs since you recovered from yes. it, right? Because, you know, I was talking to Miles Kennedy about this because Miles got it early on. Mm-hmm. And Miles had f- recovered and he felt he was good, right? And then he was getting ready he's out on a, to go out on a solo tour. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me, he goes, man, I started singing, playing guitar and singing my set the other day. He goes, and I didn't realize it. He goes, but about, I didn't have the same wind I had. He goes, mm-hmm. you know, so as a singer, mm-hmm. it's really concerning to you because for some, now being vaxxed, it seems like the one great thing is for, for all of us being vaxxed, it, the People I know, I know people have gotten it vaxxed and they're they're back in action like two three days. Right. It sound like you had it a little worse, but mm-hmm. still you got. So the recovery is a lot a lot more there. But mm-hmm. for a singer, it's really concerning it because is. it affects your your voice and your wind, right? Right. When, and you know during that whole time, I had to like I was humming to myself, I was singing along to things just to make sure that I was not this was not going to affect it, that I was going to continue to be able to sing, and I was doing breathing exercises where I was like. Because it's it, you know it affects your your respiratory thing in your lungs, so if you if you're exercising your lungs, you know deep breathing and uh, you know yogic uh, breathing, circular breathing kind of thing, it helps that out. So I, I'm fortunately I think I'm doing pretty well. I haven't nothing 
adverse has happened just yet. He's strong like bull. <laughs> Good. I know we got limited time. I know you guys got a sound check, but Shade was has been out what three four years now. Yeah, Are well, you working on something yeah, during the pandemic? A, you've been writing. Actually, during, we actually, he and I started doing a little writing, but we yes. actually came up with what we're gonna do for the, our next record, and it's a pretty. Bo- we're not announcing it. Triple yet. studio record, no, concept album. No, no, what are we talking? It's, it's four, di- four different covers, each of our faces, like it's the Kiss kinda, record. It's kind of <laughs> like the '78 solo records. Yeah, but it's a it's a bold. It's you know we're gonna announce it, you know, and what have you. But the the whole I I'm not gonna say anything more because if I say more, it kind of gives away the premise. Come on, Vern, give me give me a little something. What I mean is it a concept uh, record. Yeah, yeah. Look at that! I'm onto yeah, it, right? It's yeah, kind of. Yeah. All right, when are you going to record it, or is it written? Is it written yet? It's not written. See, see, see. Okay, here's the thing. No, we're yeah. not gonna. But, but it, yeah, but no. And see, we have some stuff. You know what? I'll tell you what, though. We will when we're ready to say exactly what it is. We want to say it. With you. All right, bring it on. I, I, right. I love that. I appreciate that. You know, every time I see you guys, do you know what I think of? I think of that's snow. snow. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, that's exactly, right. what, I, that's that's exactly right. what I felt oh, like. Yeah. Like, snow. this is the, the polar opposite. Literally, the polar opposite. <laughs> we're sitting, by, we, we're sitting <laughs> exactly. by a beach with palm trees and 90 <laughs> degrees at the beach. But every time opposite. I think of Vernon what? and Corey, I think of snow. That and here's her. why for people that don't remember. And the reason why I say that's this is hilarious. people, because people come up to me and talk to me about that metal show still constantly every day. And I appreciate Appreciate it, right. but they're always like, "Remember the one when there was no audience and Living Color was on?" And I was <laughs> like, "Yeah," because and and the funny thing about that, so people that don't know, is there was like a massive snowstorm in New York, and we were sh- we were set to shoot an episode. You guys were booked as the guests anyway. We just got super lucky that you, we happen to have a New York-based band, which right. was rare. That it wasn't traveling in to do it so we could do it, but we, there could be no audience because the snow was that bad. And I, one of you guys came from Jersey or something, right? I, I, live, I live just outside of New York City. Vernon lives in Staten Island. Yeah. Either way, it was a trick to get, get yeah, into Manhattan. Yeah, that was wild. We sent cars for you guys, but that, at least you didn't have to do the driving. It was still like four or five hours to get in and out for what should have been 40 minutes. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's a memorable episode because oh, yeah, it's the we, only one we ever did with no audience because we couldn't let audience. And it was like a massive snowstorm in New York, but yeah. it was fun. There was no audience, but there was no pandemic then either. Right. We, didn't exactly. wear, we, didn't, we didn't have to wear masks. Exactly that. right. What do you guys got planned for tonight for your set? Anything? Uh, uh, you know, actually, we've been. I I actually brought breaking out a couple of things like Glamour Boys. Like this is a place for Glamour Boys. Nice. You know what I mean? And there are a couple of other little joints. I hope I got one. Are we going to get type? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Corey just looked like, really? Okay. Corey, do you know you're singing type? Okay, fine. (laughs) But, but, you know. Type's my song, man. I love type. That one and uh, a couple of other joints. I'm thinking about we're going to do Memories Can't Wait because that's kind of what this whole thing kind of is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just talking about like we had a certain set list that we did on Summerland, and this is going to be. Somewhat like that, but with adjustments. You're throwing a couple of our stuff from our first record. Well, my boy Drew over here that works with you guys, he told me you're pretty meticulous about your sound check. So I don't want to hold you up, man, because if the sound goes off tonight, then it's going to get blamed on me, you doing this interview. Drew Ferrara. 
You he's know, the man. He's, he's the captain. He's, he's, he's the, the man. El, el, the el, you know, seriously. Cap- el Capitan. El Capitan. The El Capitan of rock and roll. He's, the, known, man, he's the man secretly making it happen. <laughs> I know he's Drew. He's the hand inside the puppet's head, bro. I know Drew for about 10 years. He makes everything happen, this guy. I've he's, seen him at festivals, like five bands calling on him. He's running around. Oh, like yeah. Well, he's the man with the plan, we, always. We, we uh, really, this, this whole time period, this crew that we've had on this time period has been Fantastic. Yeah. Really yeah. excellent. Top shelf dudes. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate, I know you got to go. I appreciate you guys just stopping by for a few minutes. I can't wait to see you play tonight. Eddie, always good to see good you. Good to yeah, see man. you. Look forward to hearing about the record when it's done. And uh, I'm, I'm going to see the last Living Color show of the year tonight. Thanks yes, right? very much. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, uh, Corey Glover, Vernon Reed, Living Color. I tell you to check out the upcoming shows they have, but they got none unless you're in Cancun. You're not seeing them until next year, but more right. gigs next year, I'm yes. sure. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, thanks to Vern and thanks to Corey. Great to have them on. And thanks earlier to Ingve Malmsteen. And appreciate you guys listening to the Eddie Trunk podcast. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk. And don't forget to listen to Trunk Nation every day on volume, Sirius XM channel 106. We will see you next Thursday for another all new episode of the Eddie Trunk podcast free. Be sure to subscribe, spread the word. Enjoy your Christmas. I'll catch you then. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream is a total chocolate game changer. We start with unbelievably creamy dark chocolate ice cream. Then we add different chocolate treats like chocolate cookies, chocolate cake, or chocolate brownies to make four decadent chocolate flavors. Because sometimes the thing that pairs best with chocolate (laughs) is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.